I knew that we were gonna make the same mistakes, which is, let's find a vaccine. Dr. Sabine Hazan is a gastroenterologist and CEO of Progena Biome. She's a gut bacteria expert. When she started studying the microbiomes of COVID patients, she noticed a peculiar pattern. The people that had severe COVID lacked a certain bacteria called bifidobacteria. Today, she breaks down how a healthy gut impacts one's outcomes from COVID-19 and how the COVID-19 vaccines affect the microbiome. How come these babies born to moms that are breastfeeding that were vaccinated have zero bifidobacteria? And we discuss the COVID-19 treatment protocols that she patented and why she decided not to monetize them. This is American Thought Leaders, and I'm Yanya Kelik. Sabine Hazan, such a pleasure to have you on American Thought Leaders. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm going to read you a recent headline uh, in Newsweek. It's time for the scientific community to admit we were wrong about COVID and it costs lives. I'm sure you've probably read this piece. Um, yes. What's your reaction? I, I've been saying that from the beginning. In fact, I've been saying that since I opened uh, Progena Biome, my genetic research lab, because I felt that even in microbiology, we've been wrong. We always thought that we would you know, find the bug, kill the bug, and essentially that's the end of the story. But it's not. It's find the bug, kill the bug, but you kill the microbiome at the same time. So it's not the end of the story. It's the beginning of a new story and a new disease and a new problem. So with COVID, I felt that because I knew this foundation was already wrong, I knew that we were going to make the same mistakes, which is let's find a vaccine. And, and a vaccine for a virus that is mutating was just, you know, not the answer for me. The answer to me was, let's focus on the microbiome. Let's focus how to build our immunity because our immunity is in the gut rather than focusing on, let's kill the virus, let's, let's give a vaccine, you know, on a mutating virus, so. Well, so for starters, how about you explain to everybody, I've of course become a little familiar yes. with what microbiomes are, but what, what is that exactly? So microbiome is essentially everything, you know, all the bugs in the universe that are around you, that are on your skin, that are in your gut, it's bacteria, viruses, fungi. That, um, and my focus is really on the microbiome of the bowels, right, in the colon. Why? Because essentially everything you eat, you put on your skin, you, you breathe, goes into your colon, right? Circulation, you put something on your skin, it goes into the blood, blood vessel, tra you know, moves around, ends up in your gut. So that's, so the microbiome is essentially the accumulation of all these microbes that interplay with each other. They all have a function, right? So on a global, like if you look on a macro uh, vision of humanity, every human being has a function, right? The accountant is doing his thing, the plumber's doing his thing, the contractor's doing his thing, the doctor, the lawyer, and everyone cohabitates the planet doing their thing, right? In the, in the gut, it's the same thing, except it's microscopic. You can't see them doing their thing, but they all have a function. Every microbe is doing something, whether it's absorbing vitamin B, to metabolism, to, you know, moods, you know, that's what we're going to find out. So, you know, that's the, that's a fascinating thing about the microbiome is it's all these interconnections of these microbes doing something, creating your immunity, essentially. And your, you know, your kind of approach to dealing with uh, coronavirus or CCP virus, as we call it at Epoch yes. Times and COVID, the disease, was through the prism of the microbiome. Correct. So... 
my thought at the beginning is everything ends up in the gut, right? Something you're breathing, if you have influenza in, in your lungs, it's, you're going to find it in your gut because we were finding that. Where if you inject Botox in your face, you find botulinum toxin in your gut. So essentially, if you're seeing all those microbes eventually ending up in your gut, to me, the, the hypothesis at the beginning is COVID's got to be in the gut, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing I did, we started back in January analyzing the virus. January of 2020. 2020, just, yeah. yes. So we started in January of 2020 because I, I had a big microbiome conference in Malibu and doctors were coming from China, Australia, you know, all over to speak at this conference. And so we had to put the conference on hold, but we were studying the virus at the same time because we're all in the microbiome space, right? And we're all, you know, we've all, you know, played with, with poop essentially to try to manipulate or change diseases, right? So that's because we're on the research part of it, right? So when COVID hit, and it went from China to, uh, to Italy and the strain of the virus changed. I said, wait a minute, this is not the same virus that was in China and that went to Italy. So me and Dr. Barodi, who is the father of fecal transplant, we basically started saying, okay, well, let's look at this carefully. Let's look at what's, and we were all like, you know, watching what's happening in China, what's happening in Italy until it reached America. So as soon as it reached America, my first focus was, I gotta collect the stools. So March 2020, when the first patients arrived, remember that boat that came off the shore and basically right. patients were in there. And then we had a couple patients in New York and a couple patients in L.A. I collected stools. I mean, I had my doctors all over the country. You know, we, we gathered ourselves. There was about 400 doctors um, and we basically and doctors that do clinical research. So not just doctors that are, you know, practitioners, but doctors that were doing clinical research. So one of my doctors is in Atlanta and Alan Miller, and I remember calling him. I'm like, you've got to collect stools. We've got to. So he, he started, he didn't have a mask. I didn't have a mask. And we're basically going to these people's houses, giving them kits and collecting stools. So in March of 2020, we had the first, you know, stools. And then we developed the assay because, you know, when you're looking for COVID, the, you have to have a certain pipeline that you develop. It's not like I'm looking for you know, a bunch of DNA of bacteria. I'm looking specifically for, you know, an RNA, a virus, and I'm looking for specifically COVID, right? And we didn't really know what to look for at the beginning and these reagents were not really developed. So we had to kind of create our own pipeline. And that's expensive, right? Because that's like you recreate a whole new formula in your lab. You have, so my scientist was like, you're spending money for nothing. And this was like, this was over a hundred thousand dollar pipeline, not knowing what we were looking for. And he said, you're not going to find anything. And I said, well, I disagree. I'm sure I'm going to find something. And then he ran the pipeline and we ran those samples and he calls me and he goes, you won't believe this, but we have a hundred percent of the samples have COVID. Even one patient that was asymptomatic come to find out he had symptoms a week prior. So that was the beginning. We started looking at COVID in the stools. And then when we found COVID in the stools, the people that didn't have COVID were the people that were treated and, and no longer um, had symptoms, right? So we said, well, what treatment did they use? And the hydroxychloroquine ZPAC was the treatment that was used. So that kind of like gave us an idea of maybe hydroxy and ZPAC is killing off the virus, right? Because like other bugs, you have to kind of kill them and then boost the immunity. So that was the first thing. The first thing was 
finding COVID. And then once we found COVID, we decided to look at the people that had severe COVID versus the people in the same family that never had COVID, that were exposed to COVID. And we discovered, uh, we looked at the microbiome. So we did another pipeline, which is basically a DNA of microbes. And we discovered that the people that had severe COVID lacked a certain bacteria called bifidobacteria. And the people that were exposed to COVID but never got COVID in the same family. I'm talking about a farmer that slept with his wife. The wife had COVID, he never got her. And this farmer in particular, you know, he did the experiment, like he kissed her, he took his saliva, put it, smeared it on his face. He was, he wanted to catch COVID to get the immunity, right? Never got it, never got the antibodies. So I said to him, I said, I want to see your stools and I want to see your wife. And sure enough, she had zero bifido. He had a lot. Why? He's exposed outside. He's in the sun. He's playing with the cow manure. He's drinking the milk raw from the cows. So so that started my my train of like looking at the microbiome, right? This is this is absolutely yes. fascinating. So, you know, basically you're seeing that there's this bifidal bacteria in yes. people who are somehow resistant or have or have overcome it. Now, before we go there, I want to kind of backtrack a little bit and catch up. So these 400, you said your 400 doctors. So you've, you've been involved in clinical trials yes. for decades, yes. right? And so these 400 doctors that you're talking about are people who you've been working with yes. on these. Okay. So maybe like explain a little because you, you, on the one side, you're, the, you're this gastroenterologist. Yes. On the other hand, and looking at microbiome, on the other hand, you're working in the sphere of clinical trials with big pharma yes. for decades. So yes. just explain that whole piece. Yeah, so, you know, I went from GI, being a gastroenterologist, um, to starting doing clinical trials. In fact, my first year of fellowship, in order to get into GI as the first woman, I had to do research. And so the first year of research was really an eye-opening to the world of clinical trials. And then I kept on doing clinical trials for pharmaceutical companies, you know, like 10% clinical trial, 90% GI. And then with kids and husband that's a cardiologist, it became 90% clinical research and 10% GI. Why? Because clinical trial gave me a, you know, a view of what was the future. You know, you, so often you treat these patients, you have patients with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, and you give them the treatment that everybody gives them you don't really have a novel approach. So clinical trial was really a new idea from a scientist and you give it to a patient. So having, you know, to get these patients, you have to have a network of physicians that refer to you. So I was always known in the world of clinical trials for a bacteria called Clostridium difficile, which is essentially a bacteria that causes people to have diarrhea and gives and is caused by taking antibiotics, right? So it's case of patient takes antibiotics, gets diarrhea, gets C. diff. And so I was always doing these clinical trials because medications weren't working. And then these clinical trials brought on to, you know, a new understanding of the microbiome. And so from clinical trials and, and working with pharmaceutical company, I had an insight into the world of how to bring these trials into market and and working with pharmaceutical companies. And let me just see if I if I've got this straight. On the one hand, you've got this window into these new methods that pharmaceutical companies are trying to use, and you're actually getting patients and you know doing these double blind yeah uh, placebo, tests, control placebo control trials. Okay, excellent. And then also you're specifically 
interested in this one particular bacterium that, Correct. that kind of comes into the gut after antibiotics. And so this is so what you're known it, for? It, it, yeah. So this bacteria is essentially the bacteria that probably resided in the gut, but became toxic, became, started secreting its toxins because we killed the microbiome mm. around it. Mm -hmm. So it's essentially a microbe that was sustained itself with other microbes. Mm -hmm. But once you kill the rest of the microbes, it starts flaring up. So, and that's basically, that was the beginning, right? So when clinical trials didn't work, I would do a procedure called fecal transplant, taking mm -hmm. stools from a healthy donor and putting it into the patient with C. diff. And then that was eradicating 99% of my patients. So, and it was amazing because you would have a patient that was dying, a physician, one of my first cases was a physician that was dying in the hospital and we had to transfer him to, to, to Beverly Hills to do his case. And miraculously, he lived after fecal transplant.